All right, folks, how are we doing? Welcome back to another episode of the Sean Fontana podcast. Today is coffees and marathon chat. Today we've got the two finest Scottish studs in the marathon. They are Kenny and Craig. So previously we had them on before. We had Kenny Wilson, two hours, 22 minutes for the marathon. And we had Craig Ruddy, two hours and 20 minutes for the marathon. These two guys were going to sort of pick, dissect their brains on what they do for training, how they train, and how they fuel and things like that for the marathon. So this is going to be a really good one. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to introduce the guys and ask them how they're doing. So we'll start with Craig. How you been doing? How's, how's things been keeping? How's your mileage? How are you ticking over? What kind of coffee are you drinking just now? Morning, afternoon, Sean. Thanks for having me back on. Not, not much has changed in the last few days um, since the last spoke, but um, tra- training's going okay. I've got a little bit more, um, a little bit more of a, a structure in place for the next week or so. Um, so I'm going to reintroduce uh, a session today. Um, and then just just kind of take it from there. No no real pressure on the actual sessions themselves, but just mixing up a little bit and keeping things fresh. Um, in terms of coffee, I'm drinking. I'm actually drinking Pat's House coffee beans, which I think are Brazilian, mixture of Brazilian and Colombian beans. Nice. That's what I'm on today. I'm on the. Is it Chapat? Chapata? Chapada. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, I've got that in there. And it's uh, because I'm dairy-free now, you know, with a tertiary intolerance, it's coconut cream and a little bit of oat milk to keep it nice and smooth. Um, Craigie Craig boy, thank you for introducing there. We're going to Kenny. How are you doing, mate? How's training been going? I know I've only spoken last seven days, but, you know, you've, you've been bashing out these sub-29-minute 10K temples. So, you know, the, the listeners will be wanting to know what your, your secret, secret recipe is. Yeah, good, thanks, you. Um, so, yeah, I'm on Taylor's Harrogate. I think it's the Italian version. So, uh, yeah, like the 10 coffees a day are, are fairly helping the training. Um, so, yeah, kind of just taking over for me. Um, yeah, putting in a few little sessions. Uh, but I think with being off work, uh, when I have pushed it in, uh, I've run like uh, 5K PB or equaled my 5K PB. And then I've done a six-mile grass tempo at 446 average so I found out afterwards it was a sub 30 uh, 30 minute 10k so yeah I just need some races that's it we just need some races um, I mean I definitely think it is because of the caffeine uh, <laughs> it must be uh, that sweet brown bean keeps me keeps my heart ticking I'll tell you that for nothing um, but what about like, I mean all I'm, all I'm saying is what's pissing me off is these guys out in bikes stealing my segments. I worked super hard for them segments. And now I've got, you know, Joe Bloggs with a pint in his hand as his display picture with a ball face and he's he's cycling four forty mile pace and stealing my, my canal segments in Strava. I feel like applying to the Strava police and knocking them off, but you know, every dog's got its day. Is anybody stealing your Strava segments, Craig? I've not got that many. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm get I'm getting quite a few notifications, um, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really rile me up to be honest. 
Um, so if if they're taking if these bike cyclists are taking me, someone else is getting taken, so they get reported quite quickly. Um, and I think it's I think it's an honest it's, a, it's an honest mistake. I don't think there's anyone out there trying to pretend that they're running when they're cycling. Aye. What about you, Kenny? Is anybody still your segments? I bet you're actually probably beating some cyclists when you're running. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's good fun overtaking the cyclists on the Speyside <laughs> way, but I'm, I'm losing you know, two, three segments daily. So first first uh, project when this lockdown's over is I'm doing a fart-like session targeting all the segments I've lost. So. <laughs> hey, cyclists, beware. Kenny's coming for you. <laughs> I'm on your case. That's it, and he's in good shape. So we, I decided to bring, I bring you in because, you know, we get really good response from the, the listeners and they, they really empathise with your stories and, you know, how you, you really, you value, one thing you really value, your club, you value club running. Um, you know, it's, it's an integral part to becoming an international athlete racing for your club. And then, you know, as, as we go into the marathon, it is, is, a, is quite a selfish discipline in terms of we do give up a lot of club races and competitions. Uh, me and Craig were talking about how we gave up, you know, the cross-country relays for Inverclyde at certain points here, um, during the marathon build. So, you know, what, basically what I, was, what I was going to touch on is why, why do you need to be... That's why do we need to be that selfish and not just sort of race whenever, whenever we feel like it when we're doing a marathon build? And I guess, Craig, you're probably a great person to answer with that just now in terms of training, racing. You know, why can't we just go and pop out for a, a 4K cross country um, while we're marathon prep? So it's a difficult one because I think if it were up to me, then I, I probably would turn up and race I think it depends on your level um, and it depends on what your target is and how you prioritise your, your racing um, certainly you know I, if I can turn up for the club I, I, I always will um, I think after after Frankfurt um, back in 2018 I uh, Two weeks, two weeks after it, I ran the or a week after it, I ran the Scottish four K cross country champs. Mm-hmm. I actually ran quite well, but it probably wasn't the right thing to do f- for me. But I felt like it was the right thing to do for the club. So I think it, I think it's it's a balance between what's right for the individual and and helping the club. And you've just got to get that that balance right. So you know if it's a four K cross country race a week before your marathon, probably not the best thing to do and putting the club first. And I think, you know, the clubs clubs will understand that. They'll know that you've got individual goals that, that you're kind of looking to target. And the club gets kudos for you performing well individually as well as the club getting kudos when you perform as part of the team. So it's a it's a coming goal, you know, and, and I think that's where, you know, if you've got a if you've got a, a big club, it's it's quite good because you don't you know they're not reliant on that one or two individuals. Kenny's probably in a position where, you know, he's, you know, so much further further ahead than some of the other guys at Mori that there's a reliance on that. And, and that that'll be the same for a lot of clubs. So it, I think it just depends on the dynamics and the, the clubs 
need the individuals, but yeah, it's it's just getting that balance right, and yeah. and just timing it and making it specific for 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 you. I think if you can, you know, help the club out. Um, but yeah, that would be my my answer. Yeah, so like basically, what I was kind of what actually the penny dropped in my head there a wee bit was, I think. So we were talking there about if we are building for say a Valencia marathon in the winter time or yep. Berlin or a Frankfurt and it's banging that cross country season, we do need to give up a few of those four K cross countries, just you know, surface, you know, how you're gonna be feeling in terms of where you are in your um, your training program, because you're gonna be probably really fatigued. But then something just clicked there where if we are, you know, chasing London and there's quite a few road races coming up, so then this is where, you know, maybe you can get out and compete for your club on the way to London to work towards a spring marathon, maybe. So then, um, maybe sort of different doing a marathon at different times of the year will either be detrimental to club running or actually be quite proactive towards club running. Yeah. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think probably. You know, the race calendar itself is pretty packed. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a marathon that you're training for, it could be anything, really. Um there's there's so many races now that it's you're you're always gonna have to choose because when I mean, you've got guys that are maybe gearing up for five Ks and ten Ks they might want to prioritise a you know, a Trafford ten K or a, you know, one of these a Leeds Abbey Dash or whatever over, you know, club club running. So there's there's gonna be that across the board, not just marathon. Um, but they lend themselves to each other, so the you know the, the club the club scene is really useful because it can fill the gaps for for some of those races that you might need to kind of sharpen up before your your individual event. Yeah. Um, and in that case, you kind of want to get the best out of your club, so you want the best runners in your club to be running. So there's a there's a common goal there, I think. Uh, and then Kenny, um, your build towards Frankfurt. Did you did you miss many um, cross country club running races? And then it seems like on your build towards London, you were actually quite active during your uh, racing for your club before before the London Marathon this year. Yeah, so I think first of all, I'm really really lucky at my club. Um, like Craig's saying, you have to be selfish sometimes for marathon, but my club are really supportive with me. Um, so, and then when I do get the chance to represent them, it's it's great. And you always hope that by sacrificing some races, um, if you can do really well in the marathon, representing the club, then yeah, it can make the club proud. Um, and yeah, it's always motivation when you do com- compete for the club. If if you don't get to do it all the time, there's a big motivation to really go out there and smash it when you when you do get the opportunity. So. Um, so that's always a motivation. Um, but yeah, I, I did miss a few club races on the way to Frankfurt uh, that ideally I would have liked to have done, but it would have affected the preparations probably too much. Um, but yeah, for the start of this year, luckily we kind of made the decision earlier. I, I wanted to race as much as possible. Um, possibly over the last two years, I've maybe not, I've maybe not raced as much as I should have. Um, I probably wasn't race sharp in some of the races where I wanted to do well in. So, yeah, we wanted to just get out there and, and race and just, yeah, get race race sharp and um, just learn some stuff there. So, Good, good. And then as we, 
talk about we talk about the marathon and you know the the sacrifices you make. What what you know we're, we're making a lot of sacrifices for this one big race. You know what what are we you know and ultimately what are we looking to you know achieve in the marathon as we we keep we keep moving forward with this. So what would be your you know what would be your guys' ultimate goal in terms of would it be a time would it be a position in a certain race would it be to race in a certain race would it to to be have an elite entry to a certain race like what sort of um, goals have you guys got in the lead up to the you know sort of finishing off in the marathon in your career where would you just like to see yourselves? Yeah. For for me, it's it's really just trying to get the best out of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it's 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 really helpful when you've got, you know, certain targets that you want to chase. Whether that's, um, you know, certain times that you need to run to get entry qualification for certain races, um, or you know, whether it's common game standards, whatever that might be. These are just carrots to dangle to try and improve your, your own performance. Um, you know, obviously everyone would love to get to the absolute highest possible position, you know, in, as, as they can. But I think for me, it's just improving and learning from each previous one and moving forward as, as far as I can. It's not. The, it's a bonus if you if you then run a you know a, a qualifying time or you you perform well in, in terms of position in a race but for me it's you know can I be better than the last one you know have I learned from any mistakes or have I honed you know race technique or have I learned from you know even been on a training camp to you guys have I taken anything from what you guys do in prep and, and can I apply that to my training and will that improve my time going forward um, and that, that's kind of the way I look at it it's, it's really just looking at pushing the envelope for myself and then seeing what that where that takes me rather than it being about chasing a one specific time or whatever. And then were you Kenny what's what's your thoughts? Where where are you looking to go? Yeah uh, to be honest at the moment I'm really similar to Craig. It's at the moment for the next probably couple of years it's um yeah what did I learn from the marathon like take some positives, some negatives like there's always got to be stuff on both sides um, that you can work on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just hopefully every marathon I'll do over the next couple of years, I'll be getting slightly quicker. Um, and then career career aim is like two fifteen, two sixteen. If, if I ever ran that, I, yeah, I could retire from the sport happy. So Good. there's that long that long term goal, but at the moment it's just being realistic at, at how you can uh, just make stepping stones to the to the long term one. Yeah. And then, oh, for me, like, uh, I mean, I think one of the biggest ones is going to be Birmingham, isn't it? It's going to be Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. Like, all three of us are chasing that elusive, you know, that, that Scotland vest. So, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting time, and that's why we, I mean, I, I guess we're looking at probably the Hawkins brothers taking two of those vests, the way it's looking, and then there's there's a good few of us now looking to, you know, for that, that third vest, we're all, we're all shooting for it, which is really exciting and really interesting, and I think the Marathon Project has helped us 
sort of I wouldn't I wouldn't motivate is even more, but it's it's almost like there's a little there's a little bit more incentive now where we we know that there is now X amount of people shooting for those vests. If you're in the marathon project, you are looking for the 2022 Birmingham Commonwealth Games spots. Um, and again, that's, I mean, I think all three of us would, would love to be representing our country there. Um, whether that be, I mean, whether that be in the 10K or the marathon, I, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not too, too fussed with. You know, I've, I've, still get, I've still got a massive love and I've got redemption in the 10K. I'd love to better myself over 10K as well as, you know, the marathon. So, um, with the marathon, I'm, I'm still, I feel like I'm still a puppy. You know, I don't, you know, my first one in Valencia went horrific. You know, basically rule number one, don't run with bronchitis. Um, rule number two is probably going to be, you know, like we were talking about in the last, the last podcast with uh, being either 5% undercooked or 1% overcooked. I think I was about 50% overcooked and that was probably why I got bronchitis. So, um, you know, I've, I've got a lot to learn in the marathon. Can I learn that in two years? Well, two years, about, what is that, about a year and a half to Birmingham? I don't, I don't know, but I, I, when I get the 10K right, I bloody, I'd knock it out of the park. So, um, I would really, I would really like, I'd love, whether it be the 10K or whether it be the marathon for Birmingham 2022, that's where a massive long-term focus lies in terms of short-term. Um, you know, if, if October 4th goes ahead for London, hopefully, hopefully, I would, I'd probably look to take your advice, both your advices by actually being 5% undercooked. So go in there and not try and, you know, swing for the fence. Um, probably, if I can get 220, I would be absolutely ecstatic instead of me going to Valencia and thinking I'm going to run, you know, 217, 216. I go on that pace and the wheels in my chest absolutely cave in on me. So um, Scotland Vest 2022, putting it out there, either the 10K or the marathon, I'm no fast. I just want to represent my country. Um, short term, the marathon, October 4th, if goes ahead. If not, then we keep training away till, you know, whatever the government and the, the country sort of lifts, lifts sort of isolation and lockdown rules, then brilliant. But yeah, that, and then also I would, at some point in my life, Craig, I don't know about you, but you know, you've, you've got one of the things that me and Kenny have not got, and that is a Great Britain vest. And another one is where I'm kind of like, I don't care whether it's a European Cup. I don't care whether it's a European Cross. If it's people, quote unquote, you know, soft or vest. I just, I, I bloody want one of them. Like really bad, really bad. You know, in t uh, 2015 was, you know, Parliament Hill. You were there. Craig, me and you were in the same race at Parliament Hill 10K. Um, I just flew back from Font Rameau. I was literally just shooting for sub 30 minutes. Like my PB before in 2014 was 30.08. And I'm going, I think I'm in about 29.50 shape. And the European Cup time was about 29.48, wasn't it? Was it 29.48-ish? Something like that. Yeah. So I was like, if I can just get that qualifying time, like that... That, that is that's enough for me 
So, you know, we go through the, the, we go through the first 800 and I thought we were sprinting a little bit and I think that was because of altitude. Like you, you train a wee bit slower at altitude than you do at sea level. And we went through, like you were in front of me and we went through in about 221, 220-ish. Or two twenty. Uh, I can't remember. You were you were in front of me. I think I was sitting second last, and I'm going, "Oh shit, this is going to be a long way." I'm 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 in my head. I'm going, "Do these guys know it's a ten k?" I felt as if we were running a five k. I was like, "What is going on here?" Um, and then you know, I worked my way through the field. Lo and behold, run through the finish line. I see twenty nine fifteen or twenty nine sixteen, but I actually thought that was a winning time. So I thought maybe I'd run twenty nine forty five. And, you know, Jess get tears in his eyes. My mum and dad get tears in their eyes. Caroline's get tears in their eyes. And it's, it was actually my time. And, you know, for, for about 10 days, I'm speaking back and forth with Ian Hodge and Barry Fudge, talking about that I'm, I'm now in uh, selection for the European Cup in Turkey for the 10K. It was, I, I can't, I was, I was so excited. Um, and what well, eventually was because you know they didn't consider me a potential candidate at the start. They kind of thought I was a a wild card, so they, they they put their you know they put their bets on people who were you know have represented Great Britain more often than uh, more often during the years, and I never got selected, which absolutely killed me inside. Um, but that's something again. I want to put myself in the mix to get. And to get back into selection again, it will be. It seems like it's going to be harder than ever because Great Britain are just in their distance just now. Are absolutely, it's unbelievable how well we're doing in distance running just now, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's it's, it's impressive, especially from a especially from a Scottish perspective. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, you speaking about uh, speaking about that. I think that's part of a goal for me is. I kind of want to be known as a runner in like a golden era of marathon running. So like if the Hawkins brothers have maybe set us up to try and improve our times, the project's hopefully going to pull people wanting to get into the project. So um, yeah, like a, a goal outside individually is like, if, if we could all improve and get, get great times, it would be great to be known like the guys in the 80s saw running uh, uh, great times they were running then. So. Yeah, it'd be cool yeah. to be part of that. Yeah, I, no, mean, I think I, I definitely agree with that, Kenny. I think um, you know, if you you can only you can only beat what's in front of you, you know, what surrounds you. So we we are kind of you know, it's a blessing and a curse that we're in this kind of generation where there's you know more guys running marathons at a younger age, and they're you know they're running really really well. Their training's obviously, you know, smart enough to, to cope with the marathon and everything that comes with it. Um, so I think for us, it's just a case of, you know, piggybacking on to, to that kind of wave almost and just seeing, you know, where it, where it can take us. And, you know, like you say, if you, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be individual goals that you, that you want to set in terms of times and stuff and, you know, self-improvement. I think that's just, that, that's, that's the drive, that's the goal. And, if you if you work on yourself and improve yourself, then those doors will start opening. Things like Scottish vests, potentially GB vests. Um, rather than that being the goal, that for me, that if you improve your yourself, then that that opportunity is only going to get closer and closer. Do you know? Do you know? So yeah, um, yeah, 
Yeah, I, like I, I completely agree with that. You know, um, I think that's that's one of the again that's a gift from across. I think with stuff like um, Garmin and Strava, where you may or you may see people post like faster runs or you know fast training sessions, and it it may ignite your emotional side. And really, you know, whether it's whether you're in, you know, a fight like UFC or boxing or these high-charged emotional events, it's your coaches are always saying like, you know, you need to take you need to take yourself back from that and think logically. You can't let people take you out of your, you know, your your state, you know, your your calm, your zen mode because. When you see people post these fast times, it, it maybe lights a, a fire and it's kind of like your ego. Your ego's kind of took a wee knock because somebody's went and ran something faster than you or they're, they're, in, they're posting that they're, in, they're maybe in a little bit better shape and it's trying to stay level-headed during all that and think like you're saying, Craig, think about yourself, think about your own development instead of, you know, everybody else that's out there because at the end of the day, there's, there is always, to a certain extent, somebody out there that's faster than you. So it's, you're always going to get caught up in the rat race if you're always trying to judge yourself to others instead of judging yourself in your own training and where you are week by week, month by month, and slowly building yourself instead of, you know, sort of some people get injured because they, they try and replicate something that they see on Strava or on Garmin or on Sweat app or whatever it, it may be. Um, so no, I think, I think you're right. And I, I guess that lends to where some people maybe get a little bit lost on these these devices and on these apps. They kind of start comparing themselves and their kind of their self-identity and their self-worth and their self-esteem on if they are running a 16 miles or a 20 mile long run. Or how is that in comparison to, you know, Craig? How is that in comparison to Kenny? And then so that's when you're starting to get, you're actually taking yourself out of the game and you're not focusing on yourself anymore. Was that? Would you say, I mean, how would you how would you think of Strava, Craig? I, I mean, it, it's it's just social media. That's that's all it is. You know, and it's that's why that's why it's so important. Kenny touched on it in his podcast with you last week. You've got to trust your your coaching, you know, setup, whatever that might be, whether you're self coached or whether you've got someone else that's looking after your plan, right? If you don't, if you don't trust or believe in the coach, and you think that there's something that they're not giving you that you're missing because of what you see on Strava or Garmin or Facebook or whatever else it might be, then then you're kind of you're kind of already a couple of steps back because you know if you don't trust what's put in front of you, then you're not going to go anywhere because you're not you're not going to buy into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, you know, and I probably don't have just as much. Um, conversations with with um, Mark is, is maybe what I used to when I lived in Greenock and, and then in Glasgow and now down south. But but I know that if I need to, I can phone up and, and have a chat or whatever. But equally, there's a bit of a trust between the two of us that he'll set the plan. And he knows pretty much that you know by and large I'll go and get it done. And if I if I stray too far, he'll drop me a text or he'll phone and see what's happening. Um, so I think I think that's where you have to kind of pay attention. Don't don't pay attention to what you know someone on Strava's put on. You don't know what 
they'll go at their goal for the, the week might be to take a couple of segments off you, do you know what I mean? Or, or not even off you, but just take a segment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really pay attention to it too much, to be honest. Um, again, it's just another way to kind of connect with people, I think. And I, th- and I think if you use it for that purpose, then fine. Um, but you'll know yourself, if you if you go and do a, you know, a number of people, I don't, I don't know half the people that are on my Strava. Mm-hmm. Really, because a lot of the, a lot of it's based on you run you run a, a marathon in Germany and then all of a sudden you've got twelve Germans following you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do you, you don't you shouldn't care for what their opinion is. You might look and you might want to learn a little bit about maybe some people's training traits or whatever. You know that might that might emphasise or, or re-establish your own beliefs in your own training or make you question it a little bit, which I think is fine. But I think as long as you go back to the coach mm-hmm. and have that discussion about whether you should implement something different or, you know, what's your thoughts on that, that that's where I would use it. But I try not to pay attention to it too much. What about you, Kenny boy? Yeah, exactly the same as, uh, yeah, as Craig said. Like, I use it out of interest. I'm always interested in what other people are doing. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I completely trust what, what's in my plans going to work best for me so um it rarely affects how i would train myself looking at other people's training but yeah um i post all my stuff on on strava um but if anyone's interested to to see what i do but then is my sessions going to work for them i, I don't know it might for some but it might not for others so. you got a, you can put a disclaimer on that one mate people have a heart attack trying to keep up with your patients <laughs> Goodness me! Like I was, <laughs> I like literally like this morning. I was out for eight miles, and my first mile was about seven thirty. And I'm going, Kenny and Craig would be like they just could they cannot they cannot handle how easy this is. <laughs> like I love a good sort of you know between my Friday session and my Sunday long run, I love a good Saturday jaunt, and um, I could just imagine like you two in Portugal just being couldn't have the patience to jog at 7.30 pace. You know, eventually, like, it, you get going and the old man legs start to get, you know, rolling and stuff. You know, I'm down at maybe, like, 6.30s by the end of it. That's probably because I'm absolutely sprinting away from people that might have the corona in their dog. But, it, you know, I just... We're, we've all... Us three have got such different um, recovery paces. And it's, it's, it's great to see, like, you know... I mean, uh, Kenny and Craig, you guys are literally two minutes apart in the marathon. Um, and you're some, and again, like if we were to focus on Strava or focus on training plans, you know, you, I mean, you wouldn't know what you'd get. You wouldn't think it'd be two minutes apart, or you would. You probably, you'd probably break down trying to everybody trying to keep up with everybody. You know, like you trying to outdo Craig, Craig trying to outdo you, me trying to, you know, do a recovery run at six minute mile pace, I'd break down as well. Like if we were all, I think that's one of the, I think that's quite a good thing that all three of us, we, we look at Strava as a, a training tool and a great thing. I, I look at it as a way of my, my coach uh, down, uh, Jeff, he's from Nyla White. So instead of me sort of writing it down all the time and uh, sending a, a a photo through WhatsApp or whatever, or writing down the times. If he just, if it gets uploaded, then he just looks at it on Strava. Um, and we, you know, we, we chat about it, ask, you know, what went wrong or what, what went well. And, you know, 
I'll probably I'll probably explain now. I have zero. I follow zero people because I give zero shits about what anybody else is doing, and that's not from an arrogance point of view. It's literally from a fact of I basically. I mean, one thing is I feel a lot of elite athletes hide their training because they think it's a secret. That's number one. So I want to put my training on there because. I put myself out there to be shot at for uh, Valencia Marathon. I was putting all my training up there because I was thinking I was going to go and run about 2.17 and see and show people that you can still run at 7.40 mile pace on an easy run, go and do your sessions and still achieve a great performance. You don't need to run 6 minute mile pace or 5.30 mile pace or 6.30 mile pace at the slowest in every run to get the best out of your body. What you've got to do is like what you guys have said and what I've said, you've got to go out and do what works for you. And I think there's some people that are scared to put, you know, like yesterday I had a seven mile split tempo and I'm, I'm absolutely shitting myself going, like I've only been doing long runs for the last, you know, four weeks. I'm not, I'm not thinking about my coach goes, are you scared if it goes on Strava and it's slow? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like the pressure I put in myself but I think a lot of people actually talk themselves out of training sessions because if it doesn't look good in Strava, they don't want people to see it. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But That's it. You know, I'm probably at the other end of the scale as well. Probably some people are uh, like, they, they'll push themselves too much mm -hmm. on a recovery because they're worried about what Strava will look like. So, yeah, like, yeah there's there's like, both ways you can look at it with Strava you have to just trust what you're doing and not worry about what other people think yeah I mean I, I dare say like see when I see something like you know you're doing a six mile tempo and you're doing it that fast I look at that and I go man he's in great shape like he's doing really well and then I but I don't get sucked into going I need to go out and do that I'm going I'm like if, if I'm in that shape I'm going well you know, when I'm going out to do a six mile tempo, you've motivated me to maybe if I'm a wee bit tired and I'm like, oh, you know, I've got my, my sad eyes and I'm like, oh, I'm tired and I've done a hundred miles. This and you go, oh, but fucking hell, man. Kenny boy whacked out that six miler. If you don't get that done, then, you know, well, you're not training. Somebody else is training harder. You know, that sort of, I've got that philosophy where, you know, if you miss a day, you know, there's always somebody out there getting, getting out there and getting better than you. Not a hundred percent correct, but, using it in the right way, you know, to make me better. But then when I look at it and I go, good man. So like yesterday when I go out and do my seven mile split, I'm going, right, I know you might be tired, but everybody else is out there working hard as well, mate. So you need to, you need to get your shit together because you're not in the, the best of shape just now and you need to start slowly getting back to where you want to be because all these other guys are doing great and you want to be there, but it's going to take a wee bit of time. I won't be able to run those times right now but hopefully in a couple of months, you can, you can be back there. Looking at it from a sort of logical point of view instead of an emotional point of view, I think you can collect some really good data. But more often than not, I think people get emotionally attached to these things. I don't know. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, I mean, I, th it's, I certainly know a lot, of, a lot of athletes that will look at, you know, as soon as you start getting distracted and looking at what other people are doing, it, it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a telltale sign that they're, they're maybe they're maybe not quite coping or they, they they're questioning other things. So 
mm-hmm. you know, you have to bring the focus back to what their individual goal is and not what anyone else's are. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I'm a bit of a cynic. I think it's, I think that it's just another extension of just what social media is bad for. You know, it's chasing this ideal that, that everything's perfect. You know, and it's it's not like there's going to be days where there's there's plenty of days where I don't want to go out the door. You know, and and there's plenty of days where um, sessions don't go well or runs don't go the way that I planned for them to go. You know, and I think for for a lot of people on, I think that should be reassur- I think that's more reassuring than it's than it is negative. Mm-hmm. And if you see that if you see that you know things don't always go to plan, but people can still go and you know perform or, or achieve. Then that that's that's good, and I think variety is good as well. You know, you look at even just between the two of us. Um, certainly, going into London, you know, I was, you know, really excited to see what what Kenny was going to run based on not not the training as such, but actually your your racing your racing was 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 really good. Like you, you know, not only had you run a couple of quick times, but you're beating good solid international runners I mean like the, the half marathon when you beat Robbie Simpson you know regardless of what the makeup of that race was that day you still had to beat a guy that you know so that that in itself was quite a nice um, kind of sign I think that's what you look at you look at the does does your racing ref, you know back up your training and, and if it and if it does then that's obviously working you know and I think that's what you look at more than anything else it's not it's not about you know, been been scared of what other people are doing, or or been intimidated by it, or or letting that motivate you. I think it's just about you know, you're just keeping it, you know, yourself, looking at what you're doing, and again, just just trust that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as you're performing, I mean, that's part of the reason why I was I was wanting London to go ahead because I know that from previous experience that I've maybe not been performing as well, but there was a couple of key things that were coming up, sessions and races. Mm-hmm. So there were a couple of key sessions that we were looking to do in Portugal, mm-hmm. and then there was the Tom Scott coming back. So I was really looking for Tom Scott to to give me an indication as to where I was going to be, mm-hmm. and I could base that on last year's Tom Scott. So for me, not for anybody else. So that that's where I would look at it. I would reflect on it from an individual point of view, not what anyone else is doing, because you know we could have went to the Tom Scott, and I think all three of us were were going to be running that, you know. And, Based on form, you would say you would put your money on Kenny. Mm-hmm. But for me, for me personally, looking at it, I would say that well, Kenny's in good shape. That doesn't. That's not. That's not what's going to influence my my outcome come London. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what I do, not what Kenny does or what you do or anyone else. It's how does that compare to what where I was last year when I ran the top Scott three weeks out from London. So that that's the way I would look at it. Um, and just take inspiration from the people that are training hard, because that's the thing. It's not about you know they're doing better than me because they're better. They're they're just they're just training better. They're, you know they're maybe being smart about things and maybe getting the right sleep in all that sort of stuff. You know are they being a bit more disciplined? And and I take inspiration from that, not not the actual times themselves as such. Yeah. And then, so this this leads on to probably this probably leads nicely on to if if we were to paint a perfect week of training, you know, and this is probably going to be based on our philosophies on the marathon training and on what our coaches have 
influenced us on our philosophy as well. Um, I'll I'll start to give people like to give you guys a sort of what I'm what I'm trying to lead into here. So basically, what I want to do is all three of us to talk about what a perfect marathon week would look like when we're in the, the sort of the peak of training, um, Monday through Sunday, the total mileage, and you know the the sessions. So if I was if I was looking to target a two twenty marathon, which is three twenty a kilometer and five twenty mile pace, if I start on the Monday, I'm probably going to do either an eight mile and a four mile double, and that's going to be easy. That's going to be absolutely one hundred percent based off feel. If it's at seven forty pace and I work down to seven minute pace. That's it. Like it's just getting out and shaking off the Sunday long run out my legs. On Tuesday, I'm going to be doing a session in the morning before work, and then I'm going to do a double run at night. And this, this the Tuesday session would be a 10k half marathon session, so that would be anywhere between 12 times a thousand meters off a minute recovery, 15 times 800 off a minute recovery. Uh, with a three-mile warm-up, three-mile cool-down, and then anywhere between a four-mile and six-mile double at night, just depending on how my legs are feeling. And again, those 800s and Ks will be roughly just a little bit slower than 10K pace, but maybe just a wee bit quicker than half marathon pace. So if it's, uh, if it's uh, the K efforts, it's probably going to be around 308s, five-minute mile pace, which is just a wee bit quicker than my half marathon best. And then on a Wednesday, I'm either going to go and do 12 miles in one go. Again, um, vet, like starting easy, building into it, you know, just to recover from Tuesday's big volume session where it's going to have probably about 18 miles on a Tuesday there. Um, 12 miles again, nice and easy, before work, getting it done, whether it's in 80 minutes or 85 minutes, I'm just getting it in, getting my, flushing the, the rubbish out of my legs, getting set up for another session on Thursday because I'm going to be doing a Friday session I'm going to be doing a double there just to give my legs a bit more recovery so it'll be an eight and a four a seven a five um, two sixes depending on how tired my legs are so on my Monday Wednesday Thursday and Saturday they're all going to be 12 mile days but super easy just completely on fuel and then Friday that's where I'm looking at my marathon session so a typical marathon session would be either 22 by a K on, K off, so 11 fast Ks and 11 slow Ks, and that would be going on marathon pace and coming off marathon pace. So it would start at, you know, you'd go out, run your first K at 3.20, then during your next K, you'd run at 3.40, which is six-minute mile pace, and then your third K, you'd go back in and lift, and you do your 3.20 again. So 22 of them alternating fast, slow, fast, slow, um, just dipping into marathon pace and back out to deal with that intensity. Or... It could be something like a 14-mile tempo at marathon pace. That's when you're getting maybe a little bit more conditioned at running at 5.20 pace. But more, most importantly, it's trying to hit that energy system and not trying to do things that are quicker than that because ultimately that's where you create a lot of lactic acid. And in the marathon, it's exactly what we don't want to do. We want to actually be working with low lactic acid levels, around two millimoles of lactate, and we don't want to be creeping above that until we're getting to the last sort of six miles, seven miles of the race. Um, again, that's going to be a big session. So three miles of warm-up, three miles of cool-down, and 22 by a K. 
that's you looking at around, you know, about 18 miles in that day, up to 20 miles. I'm not going to be doubling on the Friday. Easy, easy 12 in the Saturday, eight, four, six, six, seven, five. And then Sunday, it'll start around 13 miles. And then each week it might go up by a mile. Um, and that'll be like another medium long run where I'm looking at about maxing out, max, 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 in a big week, probably about 18 miles on the Sunday. I won't go as, as far as 20 miles if I'm doing the big Friday session. So kind of Friday takes my marathon slash long run, depending on if I'm doing, you know, um, a session volume up to 24 miles or um, the 22 by K on, K off. Sunday's kind of going to be a 16 mile to 18 mile day. So Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, they're going to be my moderate to hard days. And then everything in between, I'm jogging. And during marathon block, I'm absolutely jogging to try and recover and get ready for the, the session ahead. What about you, Craigie boy? What, what sort of seats? You just out of interest when you're talking about that. Like you're saying your easy runs are really, really easy. Are you basing that just on pace and feel alone? Or are you guiding it by heart rate? What, what do you kind of tend to use for those? So, more, more often than not, absolute feel. Absolute feel because there's some days where I'll go, some days my legs are so tired that if I was to say keep your heart rate in, you know, 145 to 140, which would be easy. There's some days, especially back when I was doing Valencia and I was up at about 120 miles a week, like there were some days where I just, I did not want my legs to be my legs. I wanted to have somebody else's legs. Like I just, like they were so sore that there were some days where I just, I just had to have my heart rate down at maybe like 120, 130 and just jog and just flush the legs out. There'd be some days where um, I would do maybe eight miles in the morning and it just probably, and it maybe averaged about 7.30 pace. And there'd be, my coach, Jeff, would just be like, Sean, there's absolutely, if you've got a session tomorrow, there's probably no point in going out and doing a double. Like it's just junk, that's going to be junk mileage that's going to take away from the quality on the Tuesday or the Friday. Um, the Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, they would all be based on heart rate though. Um, you know, the Tuesday I'd be trying to you know, make sure that my five, if I was hitting five twenties, I'd be staying in, around, in and around just below threshold pace. So my threshold is about one, 171. If I'm running 520 pace, I'm probably sitting about 165. So then I know that I am, my lactates are going to be actually quite, they're going to be around that two millimole mark. Um, and then also on the Friday as well. Um, so yeah, a bit of both. Definitely on the sessions, I'm using heart rate to make sure that I'm not going above threshold pace because that's where you're actually, you're, you're working too hard um, in certain parts of the training. Um, and then on the easy days, it's literally heart rate off. The, the watch will be bleeping, but I'm literally, I don't care about that. I'm just getting out to my four mile checkpoint before then I turn back and do my four miles back. What about you? What would, what would your Monday to Sunday look like? I, so probably if, I, if I'm looking at it from a, a marathon perspective, then, and, and I, I was kind of reflecting on this a little bit um, when I was speaking to Mark the other day, and then yesterday just doing a little bit of reading on a couple of different coaches. Um, so effectively, you know, the way, the way I would look at it, and even, even looking at the, the marathon builds, you know, the majority has got to be aerobic. 
it's got to be low intensity aerobic kind of work that that's going to get you through. Um, and maybe I didn't, you know, say that when I spoke to you during the week, but probably looking at it on reflection, that the, the, the biggest part of, of marathon training is is the aerobic base that you build. Um, so I'd say for for me, um, definitely volume is going to is going to play a factor. I and mean, when I look back at you know my quickest marathon versus my slowest, the the one tangible link between the quicker marathon versus the slower marathon isn't the pace that I've been running at, but actually the volume. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the more volume that was there, you know, there was like a ten mile ten mile average difference between you know my best marathon and my my, my slowest marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than that, actually, it was fifteen miles maybe, um, and that accounted for almost ten minutes. So for me, the week would look like. Like I said to you during the week, it would be um, 80 minutes, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. So I either, I'm either getting 80 minutes of running relatively easy or 20k, whatever, whatever one of those comes first. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I would kind of base that on, on feel, but also a little bit on heart rate. So I wouldn't really want to be creeping too much more than 150. And mm-hmm. again, that's probably just you know that kind of high end of the your your easy pace. And again, the, the fitter you get, that you know that's going to come down a little bit for for the same paces, especially if you're doing the same runs. So for me, it would be pretty much I'd say twenty k Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. The session days are going to be um, Wednesday and Saturday. So. Wednesday, I'd have to say that probably something where it's touching a little bit quicker than than sort of marathon pace, either half marathon or, or 10k pace, sometimes even as quick as 5k pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but that might look like six times a mile with two minutes, two and a half minutes recovery, but the recovery's you know, running at a reasonable clip. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be something like eight times 1200 or Three times two k, three times one k, four times four hundred. Could be something like that. A mixture of those things, and again, running at sort of ten k to half marathon pace um, within those those reps, maybe get a little bit quicker on the four hundreds. Um, Friday, we would try and make it an easy day. So either that would be, you know, ten k for forty minutes or so, and maybe fifty minutes easy, or or a day off. Um, I, I quite like having a day off maybe once every two weeks uh, maybe once every three weeks um, during a marathon build um, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with taking a day off um, and some, you know, there's nothing worse when, when you're forced to take a day off but if you've got it in your plan mm-hmm. then two things you can sh- you can shift it about so sometimes that, that easy day would, would be or a day off would be on the Monday or the Friday depending on you know, racing schedules or whatever Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't, I don't mind you know having having that day off. I think it's quite quite nice um, to have sometimes. Um, and then Saturday session, let's say, it would be something big. It would be thirty five k um, type work, or sometimes up to forty k for even marathon distance. I've done. I think in the Berlin build, I did the mar- I did a marathon, full marathon distance on the canal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but not not super quick, just kind of steady pace. Um, but yeah, typically I would say a 35k session where it's you know 10k easy clip, and then you've got 20, uh, 25k. Then you're talking almost 16 miles of um, kind of hard running. So you're talking marathon pace with a couple of threshold lifts in there. Um, so yeah, that that would be my ideal week. And again, when you look at the volume with those easy runs, you're talking about 90. 85 to 90 miles a week mm-hmm. drops down to maybe about 80 with the day off on the, on the weeks with the day off. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my kind of ideal week. Mm-hmm. And Kenny, what about yourself? Yeah, so so listening to you guys, it's it's real interesting. There's some a lot of my thinking similar to Craig's actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so say I, I work full time. Um, so re- really, my mileage is going to be 85 to 90 uh, with, with working full time. Um, and so I'm kind of the opposite to you, Sean, that I'll, I'll run once a day, mm-hmm. a very rarely double day. Um, and it's, it's mostly because I can't get up in the morning. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> all, my, uh, all my running near enough is um, during the week will be evenings. Um, and it'll be towards late morning um, on my Saturday, Sunday. So, um, and I, I'm, I don't really use heart rate. I don't have a clue what my heart rate is at pretty much any of my sessions. Um, so I think I, I quite like going a bit old school with training. Um, the closest I get to technology is maybe, I think I said in the previous podcast, I've done the VO2 max testing. So, I got paces for different training zones, mm-hmm. um, so I'll, I'll base my training off a mixture of feel and a, maybe a target pace that uh, the coaches have asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know heart rate. Like technology is not good with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so say say on Mondays a recovery day, eight to ten miles, um, six thirty miling roughly. Um, usually I'll get a ride from the coaches for going a bit quicker than that. So. <laughs> So that's usually the discussion before Tuesday's session. Um, so Tuesday's usually intervals. Um, I would say 24, 400s with 30 second recoveries or um, six to eight by a mile with either a minute or 90 second recoveries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so a few miles either side of that to, to bring it up to maybe like 12 mile session or something. Yeah. Um, steady run Wednesday. Um, 10 to 12 miles at I would say roughly 5.30 a mile um, and then maybe fartlek on Thursday again probably t- with warm up cool down try to get it up to maybe 10 to 12 miles again mm-hmm. um, Friday recovery 68 six miles easy so that's 6.30 mile and run again um, but similar to Craig I'll, I'll happily take a day off every Every three weeks, maybe. Um, it's something I didn't used to want to do, but it's something I've learned. Um, and like Craig says, if you plan it in, then you don't feel guilty. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, you you recharge. Um, and recently, Saturday has been a race day for me most of this year, especially the first couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, a lot of the races were on a uh, were on a Saturday, so it meant I could do my race day 
for the 60 mile steady run. Um, and then I could still get my marathon specific session in on a Sunday. So we went quite early above the 20 mile mark on Sundays, already getting a higher, higher mileage in and throwing in things like um, five by two mile on one mile float and four by three mile on one mile float. So just getting it up to marathon pacing in phases and then floating at maybe 545 pace, um, which actually it feels quite easy once you, after the, if, after the efforts before, so. Yeah. Uh, and I also do a strength and conditioning session a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just, just really basic stuff. It's more injury prevention because we're doing so much mileage. Um, so yeah, just, just really basic stuff for me. Good, good man. Now, I see, and then, so you're, you're, your hard days are a Wednesday. No, sorry, a, is it a Tuesday? Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Um, Sunday, yeah. But yeah, in the future, Thursday and Sunday are going to be like, uh, uh, Thursday, Sunday are going to be really hard days. So um, maybe Monday through Wednesday will be easier in the future. We didn't really get to that phase in the block, um, but it's stuff we're looking at for the future that, Thursday and Sunday will be so hard that it'll be just be two marathon sessions in the week. Yeah, nice. I like that. Yeah. So then we'll move on to what do you think the fastest marathon course is out there just now? What do you think? We'll get Craig. We'll get Craig on the go first because he'll have more experience. But what do you think the fastest course is out there? It depends. I think it depends on how you define fastest. Because if you look at, if you're basing it on world records, then you'd say you know Berlin. Yeah. Um, but I think it it, it boils. But it, again, I don't think there's there's going to be a particularly there's courses that are designed to be quicker than than others. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the course is going to be the the be all and end all because certainly you know if you look at from myself, if I'm looking at myself, my half marathon PB is on Glasgow, you know, and, and it's not exactly the quickest course <laughs> in, in the world. Barcelona is a far quicker course than, than what Glasgow is, um, but my PB is from Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it depends on your, your stage of fitness and, and when you race on a certain course. Um, certainly from the marathons that I've ran, and I've ran Berlin, I've ran Frankfurt, I've ran Warsaw, and I've ran London. Um, London's where my official PB's at, although Frankfurt's where I've you know, almost ran my quickest. Mm-hmm. I would say out of them all, I'd say that. I think Frankfurt's up there, definitely. Yeah. And you, know, you only have to speak to the guys that were there on the day that I ran Frankfurt. So Stephen Trainer, Tom Bryan. Um, it, it was windy. It was really, really windy. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't notice the wind that much because I noticed it before the race started. As soon as I got started, you know, it, it didn't become an issue for me. I think if I was having a bad run, I would have definitely pointed to the wind as being a factor. But I didn't. I didn't think it had that much of a say on on the day, you know, too much. Um, so I think the course the courses can play a part, but I think. Um, it's going to build into your fitness and your plan. You know, if you decide that you're going to do a Frankfurt versus a, a Valencia versus a London, 
you can have your quickest marathon on London, which you know might not be the quickest course, but the crowd might get you through, or your prep for that marathon is better. So I think you choose a marathon based on its profile. Mm-hmm. So most marathons, they're going to be pretty quick. The ones that you do, especially majors, and they're talking about Valencia becoming a major because it's you know got so many quick times on it. Um, but it's not a guarantee that if you're going a quick course, that you're going to run quick or quicker than previous times. So I would I would say there's there's going to be a margin where there's you know all things being equal, there might be some courses that are that are quicker, but it's never it's never as easy as that. I don't think. Yeah. What about you, Kenny? We, we me and you are just one for one, so I'm getting... one for one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my my thinking is. Again, similar to Craig. So, yeah, you look at world record times. I think, I don't know, Berlin's always up there for that sort of times. But I think for for our level of running, you're looking at, or for anyone's level of running, you're looking at, right, how many people are finishing round about the time I'm targeting to finish? Yeah. So, so like, uh, that was one of the reasons I chose Frankfurt was looking at, say, Craig's result, I think, was it the year before or two years before? Yeah, um, year before. year before, so it's like saying, okay, there could be a lot of people in the 220 range, so it, it sounds, a, well, it is a flat course, um, and you get an elite start, at the uh, elite B start on the, the time I was looking for, so mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about big queues trying to get near the front, you've got, a, you've got your own starting pen, so... Um, I think you sort of look at that kind of thing and it would be the same for people doing three-hour marathons. Yeah, just how many people's finishing round about me, it can drag me around. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I also time a year. So I think for us in the north of Scotland, can, I think we said before, conditions aren't great in the winter to, to train for marathons. So mm-hmm. um, for me, I'm, I'm always looking at the autumn one to be my quickest one of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can get better training in, in the summer months. So, yeah, it's, so looking for your own personal fastest marathon, I think there's there's lots of different things you can look at, and yeah, depending on your ability, different races will be faster. So we're two, we're two, we're two for Frankfurt there. Two for Frankfurt. There was, was two good, good valid points as well. Like I do like you know the fact that timing is everything, and then also you're talking about the crowd. Um, you're, 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 then you're talking about the potentially from the previous the previous results. Will there be a host of athletes running about you uh, during during the pace that you're running? Um, I guess I'm I'm going to be biased and talk about Valencia. Like I wish that I was in you know great health for that because I'm not joking. with that course is fast. Like in terms of. I could act, I was running, I'm running and I'm going, I can sense this has got like a negative, like a, just a minute, like, like negative elevation. Like I can see that it's slightly, just slightly downhill here. Just now I'm looking and I'm going, this is slightly downhill here at some points. Um, and then the, the amount of people that were around about every, uh, every like you know whether it be two ten, two eleven, two twelve, two thirteen, two fourteen, it seemed like there was like ten or fifteen people round about all these like like checkpoints. Um, 
and just uh, I guess it was round. It was round sort of like the towns as well. So the you couldn't really feel the wind because you're going through like this some bits of the city. So it was really built. So it would block out the wind. Um, and then also one of the biggest factors for me was the the fact that you know Valencia is only being well known now for about what would you say about three years? To be about three years, Valencia has been like. But- Maybe even two. Maybe two years, to be honest. So, because I know Steph 12 and a lot of top uh, British athletes done it, not in 2019, but they've done it in 2018. But if you think about it, so within two years of not that high profile a marathon, the winner was 203 in 2019, after two years of it being slightly high profile. 203. Yep. And, it, and, it, and it didn't it didn't have like your, you know, your, your Kipchoge, it didn't have Bikili, it didn't have your, you know, it didn't have the absolute creme de la creme that usually go to Berlin, go to, you know, London. If you send these guys here, again, definitely timing is everything like in your, in your training plan, but I think they would blitz that course. Um, but again, biased opinion. Um, I think it's really boils down to... Um Money, you know, which uh, marathon is going to have, you know, biggest appearance fees for the top, you know, the absolute top guys to run. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one day as well from what you can see, you know, you, you had a, a lineup this this year that was going to have bigger crowds potentially with Kipchoge and um, Bikeli running. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a couple of different factors in the course itself. You know, some are going to be potentially quicker than others, I, but there's so many factors to consider when it comes to the, to, the, to any race. But to the marathon itself, there's there's so many things that that could influence the outcome. Yeah. So then we, you know, this, uh, I, we've we've covered a we've, we've covered a lot of stuff on the marathon, but basically, I just want to now just have a bit of chat on in terms of, you know. We all went to training camp together. We all went to Portugal. Um, We'd still be there if if we if we were following <laughs> Unicorns track. I would have been ace. <laughs> so it, yeah, it, it, you know it was a it was a half camp instead of a full camp. Um, so what I mean, ultimately, Craig, you chose Portugal. You chose uh, Monte Gordo, and you know personally. When we were, we went there with Scottish Athletics, you know, oh, many, eight, like eight years ago. Ten, ten, ten years ago. Ten years ago. Jeez, I'm getting old. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't, I didn't actually appreciate it until we went back um, this year. Like, what was the, what was the reason why you chose Port? What, what was the thought process for you choosing Portugal for the the marathon camp before London? I kind of kind of based mainly on the fact that I'd been before, um, and I'd kind of done a little bit of looking at like you know that that's where Strava can be really useful because you can start to see you know do people go and train in these places for marathon? Um, I'd spoken to um, a couple of different people that, that have been on training camps abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, spoke to Andy Douglas. He talked. He told me about a few places. I spoke to Eric, he told me about a few places. 
but the prob the problem is that when you're going out to do or for me anyway, I, I kind of like to know what I'm getting myself into. Mm-hmm. So especially if you're only going to be there for two weeks, you kind of want to go there, hit the ground running. Um, you know yourself if you're going out and trying to do a, a loop and you're cutting back on yourself because you've taken a wrong turn or the ground's not quite so good or you know it's a bit rutted or whatever. It's quite frustrating, especially when you're trying to run your know, tick off sessions. Mm-hmm. So when I'd, I'd had had a look at Portugal um based on you know being before, I knew that there was some nice trails, there was some it was flat. It was just could we get big loops in or big straights where we could get the sessions done? Um and there's a guy, Marius Ionescu, who Derek had actually told me about that before I went out. Um and I spoke a little bit about how he he bases himself there for like three, four months of the year. So I had probably gone Strava, saw that he'd been doing marathon sessions there as well and thought, well actually if you know if it's good enough for, you know, an elite level runner, it's good enough for us. Mm-hmm. And you know, kind of know the area you know, relatively well from from memory, so that that was kind of what influenced it. Um, and I did a wee bit of reading before, you know, booking it as well. You know, I sent you guys the links with the, you know, a couple of different people that had been out there and different training kind of venues on that that side of the Portugal. Um, so yeah, that was kind of that was the main reason. Yeah, like I, I, I loved, like I could, I couldn't believe like the that marathon look that we got together. Um, you know that was it seven k, so the seven k long. Yeah, it was. Yeah, just about seven k. Yeah, so four four mile over four mile loop. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Um, you know how how flat the roads were. The turns weren't that tight either. And that was for basically for your sessions, but then those trails were awesome just to dip in and out of for your your recovery running. Um, I'll bring I'll, I'll bring Kenny in in a second because Kenny Kenny came seven six days later. Six yeah, days. yeah, about that. Yeah. So you know, me and me and Ruddy kick off the camp with uh, sixteen times one k fast, one k float. We average around 310 for the fast, 330, 330s for the slow. We go out there on the hottest day of the year in Portugal with no water, no gels. And I got to about 12Ks. I get to the, the 12Ks and I am like, I'm starting to get goosebumps of like, uh, like where you get, was it a heat strokey thing? Like I, I, and I was starting to get a wee bit wobbly and stuff. So, um, that was that was definitely, you know, I was like, oh my god, this is to do all these. Se- that was great about that seven that seven k loop was that we could put the gels and the bottles on the car and run the, run run round and collect them because that day I was I thought I was going to like my next step I wasn't going to actually hit the ground properly and, and wobble. I mean, how did how did you how did you find the first session? Yeah, I mean, I, I felt okay. It's something that I was I was quite used to. That, um, obviously, the heat does play a a factor, you know. So I think it was just about getting out steady and not pushing the boat too much and just testing the water a little bit. I think sometimes you can kind of think back to when you did that session at home and you know, it was a bit cooler and it's maybe a bit on a loop that you're familiar with or, or whatever. So mm-hmm. I think just 
being a little bit cautious on those first few sessions or first few runs, just making sure that you're adjusting to the heat. But no, I thought it felt you know pretty relaxed, pretty good. Um, yeah, no, it was decent. Right. I think Craig's, Craig's right there. That um, like advice if you are going to go out in a training camp, like don't don't go out there and blow yourself up in the first couple of days because it's so easy to do. Like you're excited to get out there. You're yeah, really motivated to smash it, but yeah, you have to be sensible at the same time as well. So yeah, not too crazy. And, and then we, we we something that was really good. All three of us uh, went out there. Was the the salt plains that was at the salt? You know, for the recovery running out out the back. That was that yeah. was cool. That was really nice running out there. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was I hadn't seen that place before, and it's, you know, it's right beside the. Just right beside Monte Gordo, so it was an interesting one because I would have thought, been out there with Scottish Athletics before, that there would have been guys that would have known those trails. So mm-hmm. it was quite nice just to go out and, and check it out and see what it was like. Um, not not great for sessions, but for like you say, for recovery running, perfect. Yeah, did you enjoy that as well, Kenny? When you came out and done the, the salt plains and the recovery, I definitely. Yeah, it's. I think I basing it off our marathon. Um, Marathon training, yeah, it's an ideal place. Like, yeah, then then plane's perfect for uh, for recovery. The wee trails, um, just next to the town is ideal for recovery runs as well. So, yeah, yeah, a great place to go for for marathon anyway. Yeah, and then we, me and me and uh, Craig do a do a marathon session before uh, Kenny Kenny flies in, and uh, this is the one that put me in a body bag and. <laughs> Craig, Craig was virtually he was he was almost in a body bag as well. But basically, it was twelve k easy, twelve k marathon pace, six k tempo, two k yeah. marathon pace, three k tempo, two k marathon pace, three k easy. Um, now this is where I work in miles. Craig works in k's. Um, I need to, yeah, I lost in the sessions. <laughs> so I, I get completely lost when me and Craig get detached from each other. Um, I didn't know what 12k was in miles, especially when you're running fast and you're trying to stay focused on your, your rhythm. Um, I was going up to tempo maybe a half mile or a mile too early. Um, and then during, during that sort of, well, basically, let's, let's, 12k easy we were at 540 mile pace when I thought that you'd spoke to Mark Pollard and he would say he said that your easy pace was supposed to be six minute mile pace which is 340 a k so as we are running around uh, San Antonio and Monte Gordo I'm actually getting a bit like angry because we're running at you know 345 or uh, sorry 335 a kilometer and I'm going why is he? Why is he not listening to his coach? Like, why are we going too fast? Like, this session's so long that we're. I don't. I'm, I'm scared in case I blow up. Um, but again, felt felt amazing. I, I don't usually start that quick. For me personally, I don't usually start that quick on a, a marathon session. Um, and then we get into the twelve k at marathon pace. So we're sitting there at you know three twenty kilometer, five twenty mile pace. Um, I go to lift too early and pull my hamstring. Uh, Craig, Craig comes soldiering by, looking confused. I'm like, 
I'm, I'm done. I've pulled my hamstring. I don't know how it happened. Um, but yeah, how did, how did you find the session, Craig? So 12k easy, 12k marathon pace, 6k at tempo, 2k marathon pace, 3k tempo, 2k marathon pace, 3k easy. How did that go? No, not, not quite as to plan as I'd have hoped, but I think, um, I think that's where having a little bit of experience of doing blocks before and doing sessions like that before really helped because I, I knew kind of within about 8k that I, I just wasn't quite on it and you know, you'd know you moved on a little bit um, at that point um, when we moved on to the marathon pace. So I probably had it a little bit harder than what I was ready for, although I would, I would normally hit that session you know, as quick as we did, maybe about the kind of 340s, 335k okay, for the easy part, and then lifting it. But that's when I was in peak shape for Frankfurt two years ago. You know, so it, it, you know, you've got to think about your, you know, your relative fitness. Um, and I knew the other thing with those sessions is that I've played about with them when when I've been doing them. So if I know it's not quite on that day, I'll st- I'll just adjust it slightly. So. When I passed you, the the, plan, I, the times had slipped a little bit up to sort of three, kind of three thirties or something. Um, so I knew that doing a lift to threshold was going to be quite challenging that day. So so I tried to just relax and then see if I could bring it back down closer to marathon pace and then see if I could just sustain that, mm-hmm. which I pretty much did. I wasn't able to do the threshold lifts, um, but I managed to get the you know the full thirty six k or whatever it was. Um, in mm-hmm. so it was one of those sessions where yeah it didn't I didn't quite hit what was in the plan but I still got a, a good workout in mm-hmm. you know in the, in the context that, that, that we were in so kind of that that's something that happens in the marathon and, and certainly you know from previous experience what I would do before, when I started the marathon blocks if I was doing that session I wasn't hitting the times I would stop Mm-hmm. And then I'd say, right, just run easy for another 20 minutes and then we'll do the session tomorrow. And really that that probably wasn't the wisest move. You know, just adapt it to how you're feeling that day and then move on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no point in trying to chase it, chase it, chase it. Um, if it's not on, there could be a variety of reasons for that. Um, so, yeah, that day was, you know, I was happy with it. It, it, was, it, is what it, it was what it was. Um not quite what I was I was hoping for, but I got something out of it. Yeah. You made me so nervous for that session as well. <laughs> so nervous. It's because that's that's probably one of the before both Frankfurt and London, so Frankfurt and then London last year, mm-hmm. that was a session that I did and I smashed it I smashed it out of the park when I did it for Frankfurt. And then in London, for London last year. It was the it was the last big session, and I hadn't hit many sessions at all in the build up, you know, fully. Mm-hmm. So I put I put a lot of emphasis on that session last year, and I thought, you know, me- mentally more than mentally more than physically, if I could get that session done, then I'll be set for for London. And I, and I did it, I, you know, I smashed it last year, at, you know, um, before London, like four weeks out or something. So mm-hmm. I knew that. That was kind of why I put that little bit of pressure on that session when we were out in Portugal, um, just because I knew it's, it's held a little bit more relevance for me in the last two builds. Yeah. So you'd say that was kind of like your, you would say that would be like your one of your marathon test 
sessions. Yeah, kind of. It kind of lets me see where I'm at. Um, but I'm not scared to, to adjust it. You know, normally I would do about two or three of those in a block. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the first the first real one. Mm-hmm. And I was going to do another one, I think, a week after the Tom Scott. Mm-hmm. So that was going to give me a bit of a, a platform to then go again mm-hmm. before before London. So I kind of wanted to put a good marker down, but at the same time, I wasn't that fussed um, if I didn't quite smash it. Uh, well, they are bloody tough because it did leave me, you know, licking my wounds at the side. And um, then we get we get Kenny coming in. Um, you know, this, this is where I, f- I felt really bad. I felt really bad because, you know, me and you weren't in Kenny's shape. I'm injured now. You're kind of like, you're, you're just maybe a couple of weeks behind being in the shape that you could be with Kenny helping him out. You know, you two feeding off each other. And he comes out, he's in blooming sublime shape, you know, and on a Sunday he's looking to go out and do, was it, what, what was the session again? Uh, so, the, yeah, the Sunday one was the one in my dream week. So, uh, it was <laughs> uh, three miles, five by three mile at 5.10 to 5.15 for the efforts and then roughly a six minute float mile in between each effort. So, yeah, a nice wee session. So here, I'm, I'm feeling super guilty because Ruddy's having an easy day. I'm having a day off because of my hammy. And Craig gets, uh, Kenny gets in and he's, you know, he's ready to rock and roll. He's ready to train with the boys, ready to build for the marathon. <laughs> and we're like, oh, we're not training with you today. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, right, what can we do? So I, I go up and spend the best five euros in my life and go and get a go and get a bike with a basket and cycle beside you. Um and we get the I take you out around the, the marathon loop as well, that seven K loop. And get the Venga boys playing, we'll get Cheryl Cole, we've got Elton John. I mean yeah. we had we had Monte Gordo, you know, going wild. You know, you had the golden oldies sitting at the bench, your top off, all waving at you, <laughs> clapping for you and all that. You had your own Monte Gordo marathon. <laughs> That was it was some way to start the start the training holiday. I think, uh, like you say, people sitting out just chilling, cheering us on, and uh, yeah, with the music on the basket. So uh, I think we created quite a good atmosphere in uh, in Monte Gordo that morning. Yeah, I, I mean, I was I just felt I just felt like, me personally, I just felt really bad that you know you're coming out in that shape that you're in, and I couldn't do anything in terms of running-wise, to be beside you, to help you for even, like, half the session or whatever. So, you know, I just thought, I, I felt compelled to, you know, go and buy the bike and then help you, help you on the, the Sunday session and then help all you boys, like uh, Al and Craig as well, on the the 4 times 5 k on the, I think, was that the Wednesday? That was our last session together on yeah. the Wednesday. Um, I just, you know... When, when we're at training camp and I just didn't want to sit in the whole, the, the, the apartment and just be like, ah, oh, you know, fuck it. Like I'm injured. I'm going to throw a straw up. And I was like, do you know what? Like, the best thing I could do is one, get a really good tan, listen to some good tunes and then, you know, do a bit of cross training on that bike. But you failed on one of those things. What was that? Those tunes were horrendous. Take your mind off the pain. 
Yeah, the Monte opinion was there were good tunes. Uh, everyone was up and uh, loving it. So yeah. <laughs> so I like I'm I'm gutted that that had to get cut short and that you all talked some sense into me to get home before lockdown because, like I said, I'd probably doing this podcast from that wee apartment just now <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't yeah. listen to you. <laughs> But yeah. when, when you when when you three all were like, no, we're we are booking flights to get home. It's kind of when I was like, like maybe I can't kid around anymore. This is <laughs> this is pretty serious. But I think it was because in Portugal, it felt as if we were detached from reality because everybody was just going about their day as normal in Portugal. You know, mm. everything was still open. There was still toilet roll on the shelves. Nobody was. <laughs> You know, going mad. Um, it was just a really, I, re- I really, I, I do want to go back um, to, you know, Monte Gordo, whether it's the same apartment or a different apartment in terms of if it's still there or not. But um, I really enjoyed th- that marathon. Look, was awesome. Mm. The the trails were amazing. The, the 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 bike path that you guys used for your your four back k five k on with a one k float. And things up and around the, the roundabouts and stuff. It was just, it was a really, it was a really nice place for the marathon because, like you said, you don't want too many, you know, crossings. You don't want too many lights. You don't want too many cars or bikes or anything. It was, it was a real, it was a really, um, just, it was a perfect place. I mean, do you would you I go back if you know lockdown? We we get a lockdown. We get a, like isolation and stuff. You know, twenty or probably twenty twenty one, but would you guys definitely go back for a camp, a full camp instead of a half camp? Oh yeah, I mean, I think it was. Let's say it was ple- pleasantly surprised by the the running there. I, obviously, been before you kind of kind of a bit of an idea that it was decent, but the last time I was there, I spent most of it on the track and and just in the trails for the easy running. So. I didn't do many sessions on the road, if any, actually. So, no, it was, it was definitely it was definitely good. And it's, it's, there's enough there that, you know, you can go out for a lunch or go for a wee walk or whatever. So, no, yeah. it was good. What about you, Kenny? Did you enjoy it? That, was that your first warm weather training camp or have you been in training camps before? Uh, so, yeah, it was, actually, it was actually my third one. Um, I'd done two in Villamura, uh, which is Portugal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's pretty pretty similar. You've got the the cycle pass, um, you've got a track, you've got the trails. So like either of them two places are are ideal for for training. Um, so yeah, it's really good. Yeah, is is um, ideal for marathon stuff as well? We out doing marathon prep in Villamura? I would say uh, so. Probably more for track kind of athletes. I think Villamura. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the loop that we came up with for our marathon sessions, Monte Gordo's maybe a, um, slightly better for getting that sort of session in. There's a few more road crossings in Villamura. Mm-hmm. Um, from where I know, there's maybe once you get out of the town a little bit, it's maybe a bit better for the longer stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's ideal just getting out there. Aye, no. So you know, just to just to round it up, like you know, we're we're all going to go back to Portugal after lockdown, hopefully. Ah, yeah. Fingers and uh, so going back to what um, Craig said earlier, that, that long marathon session, 
That was a session I actually changed halfway through as well. So I think that was a good point from Craig. Like, don't be afraid to adjust marathon sessions if they're not going perfect. So I think after that third three-mile effort, I remember we got a, got a stitch. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, it was really hot and all that. So we changed the last two to two-mile to keep the quality in. Yeah. Instead of trying to force something that maybe wasn't quite there that day. Um, yeah. And then still came out with a really good session. So I think it was a good point Craig made that don't be afraid to to adjust things if it's not going perfect, especially with the long marathon sessions. Yeah, like I mean, that's ultimately, you know, our muscles don't have brains. So they don't know what's happening. They don't know whether it's Monday. They don't know whether it's Sunday. They don't know what session we have on the cards. It's our brain that gives us that positive or negative feedback to our body to, you know, beat ourselves up or make ourselves feel really good about either hitting a session the way it's supposed to be or not quite getting a session done the way it's supposed to be. But at the end of the day, like like you're saying, if you've got that ability to pull yourself from the emotional standpoint of, oh God, like I'm not, but to go, right, quickly, how do we how do we still make the most of this session without completely, you know, binning it? What, what can we do to keep it going what have what have I got inside me just now that are, will help me still get enough out of the session enough out of my body to not maybe like Craig was saying because it's it's hard that like you can't you can't just keep putting off a marathon session because that's going to eat into your, the rest of your week you know it's it's I always say this to a lot of online running clients is you you missing a marathon session is not like you missing a meal you can't make up your cat. You can't make up a marathon session the same way you make up your calories. It just can't happen. You know you're gonna have a, a negative effect through the the week if you delay that big session. Um, so you like, and I think that was one thing that I learned from both of you was that during the middle of something not going well, to adjust really quick. Um, usually, I'm I've kind of always been that all or nothing type of person where. Like I'm start, I'm, I'll, I'll start it, even though I feel bad, I'll start the, the session. But then, you know, halfway through, if this thing isn't going to plan, I'm kind of, I'm in a logical state of going, well, if I can't hit the session and I can't hit the times, then I can't hit the energy system. So why, why keep plugging through this and it's going to help make me even more tired for the next days or the next sessions? So I looked at it from that, that um, perspective. But the fact that you both can adjust and then just readjust paces or readjust distances um, to keep the session going forward. That's something I learned from you both in Portugal, which was really good that all three of us have a different philosophy and a different perspective towards marathon training. Um, and we all learn from each other there. You know, maybe you guys will learn, you know, later on in life to run 7.30 pace. I don't know. Who knows? That's maybe my wee sort of... Never. 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 <laughs> too slow um but again it's everybody learning you know like from each other which is really good and that's where you know i actually really enjoyed getting out with you guys and, and learning more about the marathon because i feel like i'm quite a novice still um so now i really i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed you guys giving up your time as well for um the podcast and uh you know i hope you have a, a good rest of your weekend hope you have a good run good sessions over saturday sunday and yeah, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks no for having Thank you very much. I'll see you later. Cheers. Enjoy your weekend, Cheers. boys. Cheers.